got your Bibles, I want you to open up to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be continuing our summer upgrade series. And uh, just be mindful of our calendar. We got a lot of things that we're cooking up and, and planning and prepping and some exciting things for the fall. There's going to be a lot of uh, cool things going on. So uh, make sure you stay tuned and uh, we'll be giving you some more updates on that. As we continue here, go to Proverbs chapter 27, and uh, I want us to take a look at um, this summer upgrade that we've been talking about. We've been looking at how we can redeem the dog days of summer, right? How to redeem the times for the days are evil. Like, we are supposed to go from glory to glory. Someone say amen. Come on, say amen. From glory to glory. That means that God wants us to improve. Say improve. We're supposed to be getting better. There's no standing still or getting worse. We're supposed to be getting better. And so we've been talking about the summer upgrade series. We looked at things such as, you know, upgrading our emotional intelligence, upgrading in our stress management. And last week, Pastor Eddie was talking to you guys about upgrading in your ethical decision-making from the book of Acts chapter 5. Today, I want to talk to you about upgrading your finances. I kind of saw some people like checking their wallet for a second. Is it still here? Nobody grabbed it, right? Some of y'all probably thinking like, I'm, I'm good. I left my wallet in the car. <laughs> Pastor don't got no reach in my wallet today. I want to talk about this because I know that when you bring up money in church, people get uncomfortable. Someone once said the most sensitive nerve in all the human body is the nerve that runs from the heart to the pocketbook. And I understand that. But having said that, why do I want to pause today, this Sunday of the year, seeking an upgrade in this area, talking about an area that we don't talk about every week? How many, how many Sundays do you hear me come up here and talk to you about your tithe and your offering? Some of y'all have asked me, like, Pastor Brian, you know, like some of you are new to the church. You're like, do, do you guys even like collect anything here? You know, yeah, there's, there's an offering box in the back that's between you and the Lord, and you go and you be faithful. And, and it's, it's, it's important, and we're going to talk about some things today, but like you came to church, and if you're new, and today's the day that you chose to be here with us, then you know what? We don't talk about this all the time, but we do have to talk about it. See, the, the thing is that uh, there was a Gallup poll that was made, and they asked families across the nation, what is, you know, the biggest problems that you're facing as a family Right now, 56% of them said it's money problems. 56% of families said money problems are the problems that we are facing in our home. Okay, and if you stop and take a look at what is the, you know, uh, national debt of this country. Does anybody, you know, gander to, 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 to posit what that is? You know, it's, it's more than $100, I'll just t- tell you that. It's $32 trillion. This country is a country that is financially enslaved. And people within the nation are also under the burden of financial slavery. 
There is a lot of money problems. Don't, don't raise, your, raise your hands here, but couples, how many of y'all have never fought about money? It's one of the biggest fights that people have in a marriage is money problems. And so, you know, it's important for us to take a look at this because money is not the most important thing in our lives, but it's an important thing in life. It's one of the important things. Uh, if you don't believe me, uh, try to pay your mortgage with a praise break to your mortgage company. Next time your kid says, Mommy, Daddy, I'm hungry, you just say, let's just pray. We should pray, but prayer in that moment ain't going to fill that little kid's belly. And as spiritual as I can get, my four-year-old son will say, okay, daddy, I love Jesus, but give me some bread with Nutella. He's on that kick right now for some reason. Can't get him to eat anything else. Sometimes rice and beans, chicken nuggets, all that good stuff. But it's important, so we have to talk about it. Proverbs chapter 27, I want you to go there. We're going to talk about this because Jesus himself said in the New Testament, he was speaking after he spoke on the, you know, he's on the Mount of Olives, oh, not on Mount, on um, sharing the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew chapter 6. He's in that long stretch of sermon. He says, no one can serve two masters. You either will hate one and love the other or else you'll be loyal to one and you will despise the other. Nobody can serve God and mammon. America, I kind of feel it, is not loving and serving God if we're $32 trillion in debt. Right? So I hope you're with me. Give me the benefit of the doubt this morning because I don't want to step on toes, but I want you to be educated. I want you to step up and grow because God's called us to be ready. Say ready. God's called us to be diligent. He's called us to be able to be his expression here on earth. And some of that relates to how we handle the resources that he's placed in our hands. So Acts, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 27. Let's go in here and take a look because God did not intend us to live in debt. God intended us to live in victory. So let's take a look at what the wealthiest and the wisest man in all of the Bible had to say when it came to this topic. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Verse 23, we'll kick up right there. Now when the, con know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure to all generations? When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will produce your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goats milk for your food, for the food of your household and maintenance for your girls. Father, I thank you for your word and I am grateful for these Proverbs, because you are very practical. There is no pie in the sky, you know, abstract type of thinking here. It's just very clear and cut dry. Lord, I pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us and your word to reach deep into our hearts and our wallets. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. How are we doing this morning? 
All right, how's God doing this morning? How's God doing this morning? Um, amazing, amazing. Things are good. So let, let me talk to you a little bit about a couple of things in this, in this topic here. First thing that I want you to understand, if you're going to upgrade this summer and you're going to be ready, when things get back into some semblance of, of, of normalcy, especially parents, kids are back in school, you know, the routines, uh, you're not in the summer and beach time and vacations, you're, you're getting back into the busyness of life and, and the activities and sports seasons and this and that and whatever you got to coordinate, you need to be prepped and ready to go in your finances. And one of the first things that I want you to take a look at here, looking at this scripture, is that we need to upgrade our philosophy. There's two things I want you to see here. Number one, that he says, pay attention to your herds. Look at that word, your. Let's pause it right there. Okay? Your. Say to your neighbor, neighbor yours. Yours, that, that, you know, belonging to you. Okay. King Solomon says, know well the condition of your flocks. Well, hold up one second, King Solomon, because doesn't the Bible tell us in Psalms chapter 50? For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. And if you go on to read the rest of, of, of chapter 50... Verse 12, for the world is mine in all its fullness. Let me posit to you that this word yours is a placeholder and it's a very generous word. God is being very generous through uh, King Solomon's here saying, pay attention to your herds and your flocks. Because uh, let me tell you this, it's really not yours. All the animals, the fullness of the earth belongs to him. All the silver and gold is mine, declares the Lord. It's all his. And so when, when we just get off the get-go here and he's saying, your, pay attention to yours, uh, uh, hold up. It's pretty much yours in terms of being borrowed and lent to you. It's not necessarily ours. First Corinthians, this, this idea is modeled in the New Testament. Paul says, for the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The Bible is saying, look, I own it all. God owns it all. We don't own a thing. It belongs to him. It belongs to him. He is the source of all money. But not only that, he is the supplier of money. If he owns it all and we have come to have some of it, that means that he has supplied it to us. Deuteronomy tells us the Lord gives us the ability to produce wealth. God has given us the ability. Well, well, hold up, pastor. Hold up. Before you start speaking for me, let me just tell you, I get my money the old-fashioned way. I earn it. Well, uh, sorry to break and burst your bubble. You earn it because God gave you a command to go work first and foremost. He gave you the strength to go work. He gave you the creativity to go work. He built you in his image and likeness. And he, as he is a worker and a creator, he created the world in six days, then he rested. As he works and gives us the ability to be men and women in his image and likeness, he gives us the motivation, the capacity, the ability to go forth and work. 
He is the supplier of the seed so that you can go ahead and receive the result of that seed, which is your money. So before you start, you know, you know look at David. David purposed in his heart that he wanted to build a temple. I want to build this incredible, beautiful thing for God. I want to do this thing for him. And in 1 Chronicles, he has placed this in his heart. So then he goes up and he takes an offering. And he takes an offering to be able to fulfill and do the work that has been birthed inside of his heart to do. And as he takes an offering, man, what an offering that was. Man, money came pouring in. They raised way more than they needed. They, they were blessed. They rejoiced. They praised God for the financial victory that they had received. And David prayed this beautiful prayer. If you go to 1 Chronicles 29, 14, this is what it says. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you. And of your own, we have given you. Isn't that incredible? The words of your own literally means of your hand. Of your hand. What David is literally saying is like, hey, God, what we put into your hands, we simply took from your other hand. What we're placing in your right hand, we took from your left hand. It is yours. It is not us that brought this incredible gift to you. Did you know that every single one of us, we live hand to mouth? We live hand to mouth. Some of us are living paycheck to paycheck, but we live hand to mouth from his hand to our mouth. So don't get it twisted. My money, my wealth, my property, my resources, my abilities, everything we have belongs to him. It comes from him. He has given it to us. So we need to, if we can just grab hold of this first principle, it will save us a lot of heartache. It actually, it will free us up big time. When you start to realize, shoot, it's not really all on me to really create and do all this because there's some things that I'm called to do and I'm feeling God birthing in me to do and fulfill that I don't have the capacity to do in my own. But oh wait, it's all yours anyways. You've got all of it. You've got more of it to give. And so that gives me an incredible freedom. But at the same time, that should sober us. Some of us, we want to, you know, we've heard this little thing in the Bible that says that one day we're going to stand before God. Have you ever heard about that? Did you ever read that in your scriptures? Yeah. That one day, it's appointed for man to live once and then there is judgment. Did you ever hear that in Hebrews? And, you know, have you ever heard that, like, uh, there was a parable that Jesus was speaking to, to a couple of servants? And uh, he says to one of them, well done, my good and faithful servant. Like, there, there's some of us who, who we've heard that. We want to stand before God one day and we want to say, say those words to me, Jesus. It's funny, right? Say those words to me. I just want to hear it. Come on, Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, if it all belongs to him, he's the owner of it all. He's the supplier of it all. This should sober us to realize that, oh, <laughs> hearing well done, good, faithful servant, uh, maybe I should uh, do well by you with my resources. It should sober us up 
in the fact that it's not just mine to do what I will and what I please, but there's some parameters and boundaries and expectations. There's some things that you want of me when it comes to my money. If we can just get a hold of this, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever, amen. Every good and perfect gift is from above. When we grab hold of this, Man, we're, we're light years ahead of the game. You got to upgrade your philosophy. It's his money. But then you got to upgrade your practice. Look at what he says here in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. What is he saying? Keep good records. We need to upgrade our practice by keeping good records. He says, look, know the state of your flocks. Know the state of your animals. In an agrarian society, in a farmer shepherding society, like the Bible times was, many people, they lived in this agricultural type of, of, of lifestyle. They looked outside and they could see their flocks. They could see their money. They can see their animals. Okay, there's my money right there. They can look outside. They see the flocks growing. Okay, there's my money right there. They see the, 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 the harvest coming up. There's my money right there. Pay attention to your flocks. What he's saying is basically watch out. Go know where your money is. Go, go know what's in your bank account. You know, I was at home working from home the other day. I had an appointment, a meeting. I had just wrapped up a meeting and I hear all this noise. And I'm like, I know I'm the only one in my house. Someone get in my house? I'm like, did, did, did my wife or my mom have somebody that needed to come here and do something? Nobody told me. And I'm listening. There's all this commotion going on. And then I realize that it was outside in my front deck. And I go over there and there's this huge leash that's there. And then this beautiful, beautiful dog that's just like, you know, chilling and, 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 and rustling up some stuff in all my deck. And I'm like, what's going on here? The neighbor comes running out of her house and she's like, I've been looking for my dog. You know, animals tend to, to wander, don't they? They tend to wander. Well, some of us, our money tends to wander. I used to say this all the time when I was younger. I get paid, you know, and I get paid a good check and all that kind of stuff. And then I realized a few moments later, a few days later, I'm like, where did it all go? Where did it all go? It's gone. It's not here. Money wanders like animals wander. So he's saying, pay attention to your flocks. We need to know a couple of things if we're going to up our financial game. You need to know four things. Say four things. Really quickly. I don't have time to get into this. You need to know what you earn. Say earn. You need to know what you spend. Say spend. You need to know what you owe. You need to know what you own. You need to know these four things because the first rule to success is to face the facts. Proverbs 23, buy the truth and do not sell it. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. We need to know the truth. We need to face reality and face facts. Proverbs 24, 3 and 7. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. 
Do you know what these things are saying? Be realistic. Know what's in your hands. See, ignorance plus easy credit equals calamity. How many of you have been going to the store? All right, guys, you're going to that sports store. Girls, you're going to that clothing shop boutique, and it's just nice. And you show up, and you're just, you know, I just came here because I needed a change of scenery. I wanted to go to the mall and just walk around. I just needed to, you know, I know some of you guys that, you know, use the mall as your, you know, track. You go there to walk. It's, it's nice. You get out of the house. You see people. You might be able to, to grab lunch or whatever. You know, but you're at the mall. And you show up and you see something. And then you, you see something that catches your eye. And then you say to yourself out loud, I wonder if I can afford this. And then all of a sudden, you don't even have to, you know, contemplate an answer out of your own mouth because the salesperson says, hey, we got credit for that. We got credit for that. Anybody ever been there? It's like, dude, I'm just here minding my business. It looked good. I just wanted to look at it. I'm just thinking. I'm processing. We got credit for that. And so we put it on the credit card without ever thinking to ourselves, do I have the money to pay the credit card? Don't raise your hands. It's okay. between you and the Lord. The first rule to practice to up your money game is you have to keep good records. You need to know how much you earn, how much you spend, how much you owe, how much you own. Get a financial snapshot of what is going on. But you say, Pastor, I just don't have time to keep good records. That's just way too much work. It's way too much time. And you know what? I got other things and bigger fish to fry. I got kids to take care of. I got work. I'm trying to grow my career. I'm doing this and that. I don't have time for all this stuff. Okay, no problem. I'll tell you what. If you just take all the time that you spend worrying at the end of the month and you spread it over that entirety of that month, and you keep good records, then you'll have plenty of time. Not only that, you will also uh, have plenty of time when you're not worrying, and you'll have plenty of money when you're not paying all the doctors for the ulcers you had from all the worry you were doing. Right? There's so many apps out there. There's an app for everything. Get an app. You don't like apps? You're not technologically savvy? You're impaired technologically? Grab a good old-fashioned piece of paper and pen. Pencil. Pencil, even better, with an eraser. (laughs) Keep good records. Lord, I want to honor you and worship you and give you my best and my all. And uh, behold up, God, my life financially is a mess. Once I figure this all out, I'll come to you and do all that. We need to up our game. I'm taking too long. Plan. Yep. Sorry, Sharon. I'll keep going. Plan your spending is number two. You need to up your practices. You got to keep good records, but you got to plan your spending. Verse 27, for the riches do not last forever and does a crown endure to all generations. Why do we assume that things will always remain the way that they are? Talk to teenagers, especially. It's amazing when you start talking to them about, you know, the future. You know, I'm going to graduate school and I'm going to do this and I'm going to be married by this date and I'm going to have this money and I'm going to buy this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to go here and I'm going to... How many of y'all parents are laughing right now? Yeah, because you've been those teenagers, right? Things don't quite work out that way. And although I might have this job that's paying me X, I might not always have that job that's paying me X. I might get, you know, a, a little divot in the economy and I might have X minus Y. 
and that's all I got left over. Things don't always remain the same. They don't. And so that is all the more reason why we have to embrace the principle of planning. You want to up your financial game, you need to know and plan your spending. What am I talking about here? You got to deal with this whole thing about impulse buying. Forget the guy showing up and saying, we got credit for that. Like you just not even having the conversation and going somewhere. And, you know, you're, you're there. You're going to another place. You're walking by. And all of a sudden, you know what? You're like, I just cannot do without this incredible shake weight. I need this thing in my life. You go, you go to the store to pick up some milk. And all of a sudden, you walk up with some sauna pants for $19.95. You ever see those As Seen on TV products? Some of them are the worst products in the world. Don't get suckered into that thing. You're walking in to grab something. You, you walk out with something else that you don't even need. Did you know that the average person in the United States, average person, if they spread out the debt and all that kind of stuff, $101,915 dollars per person debt. If you take the GDP, if you take what you know, we have in terms of debt in this country and you spread it out, that is a lot of money. And a lot of it is because of impulse buying. Because we see it, we want it. Because you know what, it catches our eye, we take it. But we have never you know, really worked it out that I can't afford this. Getting into debt is easy. It's getting out of debt that's hard. Some of y'all say, I want to get better. I want to get in shape. I want to get back on my feet. The best way to do that is miss two car payments. You want to get back on your feet? Miss two car payments. <laughs> I'm not endorsing this workout regimen. I got a little card in the mail in the week, and I don't even know what it was, a car, a boat, or something, but it says, you know, for an easy payment plan of 147 payments, you can have this. If you ever read those words, just know that is a contradiction. That's an oxymoron. There is nothing easy about payments. There is no, payments are always hard. It's hard. The doctor's bill shows up. How many of y'all like smiling ear to ear? I can't wait to pay these $700 for my daughter's, you know, uh, uh, ear tubes. And, you know, I thought I barely paid a copay of $517. And then I paid another bill of $600 and something dollars. And now there's this other balance of $717. I am just so overjoyed, Jesus. Thank you so much. I'm grateful she's well, and I'm grateful I had the money to pay the bill. Praise the Lord. But I am not saying I can't wait to open up my mailbox today and see how many collectors are coming my way asking me for my hard-earned money. Some of us enter into more of those transactions than we need to because of impulse buying. Proverbs 21.20, there is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. So let me ask you this, how do you get control? Like, how do you get control? If you need to plan your spending, how do you get control? It's a simple word, it's called a budget. Budget. We need to learn how to budget. You spell relief, B-U-D-G-E-T, relief, budget, that's it. A budget is telling your money where you want it to go instead of wondering, where did it go? 
That's it. When you sit down and you budget, I don't know how to do it, pastor. Well, can you just do this? Sit down and pray. Jesus, how do you want me to spend the money you give me? Start there. You know how, what you need to pay. You know the obligations that you've made, the commitments that you've entered into willingly or unwillingly. There's some things that you've come into your life that, you know, were completely outside of your control. Yeah, maybe there was a situation at work and you got laid off. Maybe there was an accident and, you know, you fell down and and you got hurt. Now you got to take care of all these medical bills that you weren't in your plans to do. There's things that happen to us, but, but we need to account for all that we do and all that happens to us. And we need to sit down and plan and budget and say, this is where my money's going to go. Side note, since we're talking about money, let's talk about this. The first thing that when you sit down and you start praying, saying, Jesus, I don't know how to budget, how should I spend the money you've given me? You want to know the very first thing he's going to tell you to do? He's going to tell you to tithe. He's going to tell you to tithe. He's going to say, take and bring back to me the first tenth. He's not going to say, give me 10%. He says, bring back to me. Any y'all, anyone ever read Malachi chapter 3, Old Testament, last of the, of the Old Testament prophets? Bring back the tithe into the storehouse and test me in this and see that if I will not bless you and open up the windows of heaven so that for you will pour down all of your blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fall to bear, fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you what? Blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. The first thing God's going to tell you to do is bring back. Listen, you can't bring something to somebody that it does not already belong to them. You bring what belongs to them. It's his. Remember, we established that. So now we're bringing it back to him. And some of us, you know, we get so twisted with this concept of tithing. Oh, that's an Old Testament thing. I don't see it in the New Testament. Listen, it... If, if Jesus promoted it, he talked about tithing. You tithe the mint and cumin. You tithe all these little things, but you're not dealing with the more important things. Like, the principle is there. We need to bring back to God what belongs to him. And, and, and you're not going to get wealthy off of that. Some of y'all listen to this and say, I tithe because I want God to bless me. And, I, 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 you know, I, I'm going I'm to be rich because of that. You, you don't get rich off of tithing. Tithing is taxes. Okay, let's just think about that. How many of y'all, you guys got a company, Mr. Gorsey, did you build your company off of your tax return, your income tax return? How many of y'all business owners here have said, I have increased my portfolio, I have the wealth that I have, I have the ability that I have. Dr. Ette, you've done it because of your income tax return, your tax refund. You don't get wealthy off your tax refund. If you even get one, you get wealthy off of your investments. You get wealthy on other things. The tithe is basically protection. I don't got time for this. I'm already over my time. But read the scriptures and you'll understand. There's a devourer who wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy. 
He wants to come and take everything. And, and the thing is, you don't know what he's going to come to take in your life. So the Bible tells us that we are to give a tithe back to him. And when we do so, God insulates us from the devourer. It's protection. That's Bible. That's not me trying to manipulate you and say, hey, pastor just wants my 10%. Look, a lot of y'all don't even give 10% to the church. And I don't have to know that. I've been the treasurer before of this church for five years. If I were to ask the treasurer, hey, does every single person in this church give a tithe? I already know the answer. But that's between you and God. But what I am telling you is this. The word is true. That when the enemy comes through, the devourer, and he's trying to come and take everything that you want, whether you make a lot or a little, he's looking at your life and he says, oh, shoot, I can't come to Alita because she... she she gave, she gave her tithe. She returned 10%. And that's between her and God. Regardless of how the church utilizes that and how the church is faithful or unfaithful with that, she has been faithful to God. And so there is a covering over her body, over her mind, over her home, over her family, because we don't know what the enemy is going to come and try to devour. He might try to devour your finances, but then he might come and try to devour your child. He might try to devour your home. He might try to devour your business. He might try to devour your mindset. I don't know what it is, but he's going to try. And when he comes and he sees that there is a covering over you, he says, well, let me just go over to this other guy over here. Let me go to this other gal over here because she ain't giving no tithe. She doesn't believe in all that. She just, she, she just thinks the pastor's trying to manipulate her out of some money. Church, let me just tell you this. Even though we have not, since COVID happened, we decided to transition and not from the pulpit every single Sunday talk about tithing and offerings. And let me tell you this. God has provided all of our needs. He has brought more money into this house than, than, than you know, I thought possible. He brought tax credits where we didn't even know we could receive them. He's brought grants into this house. He's brought financial giving. He's been, you know, one person came in and gave an offering that took care of an entire staff member's annual salary and it happened in one Sunday. God has been faithful. You have seen that. We have replaced things in this building. Our boiler broke. That was a $100,000 job. God provided our needs. We took care of that. There's things happening. We spent $50,000 repairing the sidewalks in this building so that some of y'all don't trip when you're coming in as we were having problems before. People who were coming in with wheelchairs or whatever getting tripped up. We spent the, God provided for us and did I ever stand on this pulpit and say give us the money. God's been faithful. I'm not trying to manipulate y'all. I'm just trying to say that, you know what? If you follow his word, there is a covering for you when you take him at his word. And that's enough said. Tithes and then offerings. Go read the scriptures. You'll find out more about it. We got to upgrade our practice. I'm taking too long. What else we got to do? We got to, we've got to enjoy what God has given to us. He said here, I want you to pay attention to your flocks. I want you to mind your herds. What does that mean? He wants you to not be minding somebody else's herds, somebody else's flocks, this person over here, that social Instagram influencer over there, and this person over here. He wants you to mind what's in your hands. Too many of us are getting in the trap of, of, of not working our finances well because we're trying to keep up with the Joneses, and the Joneses don't even know who you are. 
We're trying to do all this stuff because we're overextending ourselves to have and look the part and feel the part. And we are not enjoying the blessings that God has given us. And let me just say, you got to say, Lord, I am happier eating the rice and beans that you gave me than being eating this T-bone steak with strife in my home. That's what the Proverbs tells us. Better it is for us to be just enjoying that way he's given us than for us to live in a house with strife. Be content with what you got. I'm not telling you you shouldn't have financial goals, no. But I'm telling you don't overextend yourself to keep up with some other people. Don't overextend yourself and say, you know what, one day, you know what, I, we're, we're not really doing that well, but you know what, one time, one day, I'm just going to keep hustling, keep working, and you know what, I'm going to work two jobs, three jobs, and this and that, whatever. You got to make your ends meet, no doubt about it. But when you're trying to just keep going and going and going and you don't appreciate that which you have, uh, watch out. You know what? I'm just going to work this extra job. And you know what? The kids are still young and it's okay. And I'll, you know, I'll accomplish some things for them. And then when they're older and they'll be ever better suited to, to advance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but what about all the years you lost and the memories you didn't make? Because you're too busy over here trying to accomplish to keep up with Joneses and have their best vacations and post, post up your Instagram and have all these, you know, highlight reels of all this incredible life. And yet behind the scenes, you're like worse than the duck trying to just keep afloat, scrambling underwater. Everything looks good above water, but underwater you're drowning in debt. What's the point of that? Enjoy what you've got. 1 Timothy 6, now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. One preacher was going to go preach somewhere else, and, and his, uh, he arrived, but his suitcase did not. And all of his suits were inside of his suitcase, and he had to preach at this endeavor, and uh, the attire was formal. And so he decided to go to the thrift store and buy some suits. So he could preach his three, four, five meetings. And when he's picked up all these, he found it in the local thrift store, exactly his size, different colors, and all that. He picks it up. He goes to the cash register. And that man says, you know what, sir? I just don't want to freak you out. But I, let me just tell you, these suits, they have been pressed. They have been gone to the cleaners. They're all nice. But they came from the mortuary. They came from the funeral home. The, these suits were put on stiffs. And so are you okay with that? Yeah, no problem. I need the suits. It's all good. I'm all right with that. He takes the suits and he goes and he gets ready in the hotel. He's getting ready to go leave the hotel. And then he realizes he goes to put his keys in the pocket. And there is no pocket. It's just a flap. It's sewed together. And he's like, huh, that makes sense. You know, dead people don't eat pockets. They're not taking it with them. We got to learn to to just, you know, enjoy that which we have because we're going on this rat race of trying to get more and better, the bigger house, the bigger cars, the bigger vacations, the better this, the better that, and more and more and more and more, and the mass and the mass and the mass and the mass. And you know what? At the end of the day, we ain't taking none of it with us. All right. I invite the team to come on up. I don't, I don't think I have to share this one with you, but I'll, let me just tell you this. We need to upgrade our practice of learning not only you know how to pay attention keep good records how to spend you know properly how to appreciate that which we have but we also have to learn how to share with others in need this is the principle of sharing 
Proverbs 11, 24 through 25, there is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Now, I'm not going to spend time here, but you have to listen to this. Just learn to share with others. Share with people. Pastor Eddie was, was talking about Barnabas last week, Ananias and Sapphira. They didn't know how to, you know, they, they had pride in their hearts. They had an out. They had an opportunity, and yet they chose to do what was wrong. They made the unethical decision. Barnabas, he took all that he had and he gave it away. I'm not saying that's what God's going to require of us, but he is going to require that we get out of our comfort zone and stop hoarding what he's given us. It's good common sense to do it anyways. It's common sense because God says that when you give to somebody else, you're not throwing your money away, you're investing it. You're investing it. He says that the one who gives will gain even more. The greedy will come to poverty, but the generous will increase in prosperity. Isn't that what the shrewd manager did? He started cutting people's debts for his own because he realized we're never going to collect any of this. So let me cut some debts and generate some favor with these people. Let me bless my, my master by getting some of his funds back. And also let me make myself a good name in the process. He was generous. Yeah, he was generous with someone else's money, but he was generous. He made an investment in somebody else getting out of their own debt. And it created opportunities for him afterwards. Let's wrap this up. I invite you to stand with me. There's, there's some incredible things he says in Proverbs chapter 27. Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. For riches don't last forever and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. After the hay is harvested and the new crop appears and the mountain grasses are gathered in, your sheep will provide wool for clothing and your goats will provide the price of a field and you will have enough goat's milk for yourself and your family and your servant girls. Solomon is, is giving advice here and he's telling us what to do. But if we start upgrading our financial lives in this manner, he tells us that we're going to upgrade in some promises too. There's promises that comes with being an astute manager of what God has given us. The picture is of a royal peace and plenty that points to times of security and prosperity, free alike from internal commotion and external danger. What is he saying? Follow this financial formula and you won't have to fret over your finances. Some of us, we don't even want to start the process of budgeting or keeping track because it just scares us. It's just a mess. It's a hot mess. Or it's a lot of work. But if we do the work, it pays dividends. It will lead us to honor and a good reputation. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings, and they will not serve before officials of low rank. Honor God with the talents and the abilities He's given you, the finances that He's given you. Then you know what? 
the diligent hands will rule. But the lazy will end in forced labor. It will enrich with all various kinds of human wealth. It's there. I'm not trying to preach a prosperity gospel. I'm just preaching you the Bible. If we work hard, if we dedicate ourselves and we get a handle on this, then God will elevate us so that we can do not just our own. He says, look, you're going to have enough. I will provide you. The lambs will provide your clothing, yours. The gold's a price of a field. Okay. You'll have enough goat's milk for your food. What you sell, what you can, what you can produce, it will provide you the sustenance that you need. How many of you all don't want to be worried about your next meal? Or how the mortgage is going to be paid? Or how you're going to be able to fund this next season of your life that God's calling you to that is beyond the current station that you're living? You do that by upgrading your game. There was a, there is a guy on uh, YouTube. He's got a podcast. Secular. Sometimes there's some explicitives there. But the guy speaks truth. And somebody's like, oh man, you're successful because you got this and that. You're an alpha, this and that, whatever. He's like, uh, no, I reject that lie. I never went to college. I don't have a father who gave me a name. I didn't inherit a name. Well, what are you talking about? How'd you, how'd you do this? Well, you know what? I realized that there's a couple of th- He's in business. He's like, I realized in the business world, there's a couple of topics that I need to know about. I need to know about sales. I need to know about negotiations. I need to know about human nature, psychology, and there was one more. I forgot what it was. And he says, I picked up 25 books on each topic that are like, you know, 400 plus reviews online in every one of these areas. And I became adamant for two years. I became obsessed about reading every one of those books. And I started to pick up some things. I started to learn how, oh, money management was the other one. I started to learn how this works. I started to learn nomenclature and, 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 and vocabulary. And because of that, I started to get some opportunity. See, the Bible tells us if we bring back the tithe into the storehouse, that he will open up the windows of heaven. How many of y'all read that and say, God's going to open up and shower down money on me? If that's your interpretation of that, you're wrong. Because it's not about God opening up the windows of heaven and dropping a pallet of cash on you. What it is, is he opens up the windows of heaven and he opens up the floodgates of opportunities. It's opportunity. When you start to do the work and you upgrade your game, you start to put yourself in a position to be ready and poised when opportunity comes your way. That's what it is. So I don't know what your next step is. But let me just tell you this. What God has birthed in our hearts to do as a church, we need some financially sound people in this place. 
No, 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 you didn't hear me. I need to say that again because I need, I need those of you who have faith in your hearts to grab hold of this word, whether you're here right now or you're coming. I'm believing Jesus that you're sending the right men and women who have the resources, the abilities, the talents, the time, the energy, the focus, the compassion, the heart that is going to set this world and this region on fire for Jesus, that is going to take back territory and release. Release, Lord God, the things and the plans that you have ordained for such a time as this. We don't need people who are just, you know, thinking about getting by. We need people who have the warrior mindset who says, I am here to take territory. Because there's lives hanging in the balance. That's what God wants to do with your finances so that you can best represent him. Some people can't get past how you handle your money. They don't want to know about your God that you claim has all the provision in the world. Look at how poorly you've managed it. So I don't know what your next step is. Updating your philosophy, updating your practice in any one of these areas, whether it's record keeping or how you spend or how you enjoy what you've got, learning how to share, bringing back your tithe, sowing in the kingdom. I don't know. Maybe you're doing all these things and you're just waiting. God, the opportunities are being lined up. And I believe and I've taken hold of the promise that is eternal and it's for me. I want every eye to close in this place. I want you to just consider this for a second. For some of us here or for somebody online, it might be that the very next investment that you make, the very next financial decision that you make is the one to consider the cost that was paid for your soul is to take that investment seriously and step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Say, I have never given my heart to Jesus or I've given my heart, but I've walked away from him and I have not lined up my life to follow him as my Lord and Savior. If that is you today, then I want you to know that he has paid a high price for you. He's given his very life. He's surrendered all so that you can have right standing with him so that you can come to know this God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. To know this God that has abundantly above all that you could ever ask or imagine and he is mindful of you. If you've never said yes to Jesus and today you wanna fix that, I want you to just lift up your hand wherever you are and we're gonna pray for you. Just go ahead, lift up the hand. If you've walked away from Jesus, you need to make your life right and just say, Lord, I need to realign my heart, realign my priorities, and I need to live for you, Jesus. If that's you, just slip your hand up real quick. We're not going to embarrass you. not going to ask you to come out here. I just want you to lift your hands and I include you in a prayer. Praise God. Everybody in this place has given their hearts to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lift up your hands with me all over this place. Father, in this very practical, hopefully not mind-blowing message, God, not pie in the sky, I don't know. He talked a lot of stuff, and I don't even know where to start. I'm not a financial planner, but God, I know that there's truth in your words and there's simplicity of taking the Proverbs into action will produce, Lord Jesus, in us change so that we can be poised 
to live a life worthy of the calling that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would release over every mind right now strategies, understanding, that you would release, Lord God, favor, that you would pour out, Lord God, clarity of thinking. Give them the know-how, the resolve and tenacity to, Lord God, be dedicated to the process of success. Lord, I cancel the devourer off of every home, every life, every body, every relationship, every wallet in your precious name. Whatever it is that God is inviting you to do this week, put it in order. Some of y'all, he's just asking you to take the next step of faith. See, when you give your tithe, when you sow into the kingdom, when you start to, you know, care for others, not just be about me, myself, and I, my, 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 what God does is, is he's able to amplify your reach. He extends the tent pegs of your home. He opens up doors so that he can make you a conduit of his blessing. Tony Evans says the barometer of our faith life is our pocketbooks. Lord, I pray that you would release a mighty change over your church and that God, we would be able to fund your ministry. Lord God, to bring your gospel around the world. To, Lord God, be ready to advance in every facet of society. That, Lord God, the church becomes a mighty media house. That the church becomes, Lord God, a great producer of, of, of resources. Becomes, Lord God, a powerhouse, a, a think tank, Lord God, into the realms of psychology and all every, every of the area, Lord. And whatever funding is necessary, Lord God, to go into that, Lord, that you would help your church to be poised to do so. Lord, I pray that you would bless every home and that you align up every heart. In Jesus' mighty name.